Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Doug Flomer, who had an NDE where he experienced that we're all part of consciousness... And today we're going to learn about it. Doug, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. So my story goes like this. And in 1979, I was traveling abroad and I traveled to India with with the sole purpose of learning to meditate. And what happened was I became very ill. And I'm going to describe the details now for you about that illness and my death experience. So I had amoebiasis, which is amoebic dysentery. I had dengue fever, which is a spirochete transmitted by, by a mosquito, and I had foodborne hepatitis A. So I became, after four months, I became very, very weak, very sick, and I was too young to know what to do about it. I didn't know how medical things worked then, or in fact, how my body worked then. So I was, I had a roommate, and she was a nurse that uh, was from New Zealand at the time, and I was lying in the bed and I just got so weak, so weak. That's all I could do was lie there and be still in my body degraded and it degraded and degraded slowly. But what follows next is the death experience and how this came about was um, first I was laying there sick and with the dengue fever, I was pretty, it hurts your joints. It's painful, but I became separate from the pain and I just lie there And I was not afraid at all. I was actually, oddly enough, I was very, I was a good spirit and in a very good mood. And then my body just got so weak, I laid there. And then all of a sudden, something happened. My mind stopped. And when my mind stopped, there's an incredible freedom in this experience. Because the mind always runs, but a still mind you become aware more of who you are. And I realized that I have always been this awareness and the mind was a secondary phenomenon. Then shortly after the mind stopped, the body started degrading. And then I started having this shaking. It was just this pulsing. My body was perfectly still, but there was this pulsing feeling, just a gentle pulsing feeling. And it was pleasurable. And then all of a sudden, my heart stopped and I was aware of it. And then I was looking down at my physical body and I looked at my body and I chuckled. Not that it was anything funny. I just chuckled that because this body was so sick and, and I was free of it now. And it was so pleasurable to be be free of this form because this body that we're in from my perspective, it's very heavy, it's wet and it's cold. And so from the position now of looking down at my body, what I became aware of was I looked at the room. I could see my roommate. I could see the walls in the hotel. But all of a sudden, I had this expansive awareness starting to happen. And I could feel so much more. I mean, it was 
unbelievable. It was one of the most beautiful things that I have ever had happen in my life. And this expansive awareness, I realized I was not my physical body, but I was connected to everything. And it was the depth of it. And the, and the, it was just, un, there was no definition to how big it was. It was enormous. And I was aware of so much and I was filled that so, so many things were happening simultaneously, but it was not overwhelming because it was familiar. And I realized I have done this before, but it was still the most beautiful thing that happened. So I'm standing now, or I'm not standing more realistically, I'm hovering above my physical body. I see my roommate and she's sitting there holding my wrist and I could, I could sense what she was thinking and stuff, but that's for another time. And then I had this shift, didn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere, maybe moved a foot to the right, or maybe a foot and a half or something like that. I just moved gently. And everything in that room disappeared. And that room was never there. You know, Buddha called this the, the world of Maya or illusion. I think I understand what that means. So all of a sudden, I'm in this, what I call the fourth dimension, which is not really, it's not what it is. I just don't have any other words to describe it. So I call it the fourth dimension. And I call this physical body the third dimension. So I'm in the fourth dimension, and my consciousness is expanding to the point where everything is known. There's nothing that's I know how I knew how everything worked. I knew why we took why we take physical form. I knew everything. So then I shifted and I stayed there just in that feeling of the moment. There was no time as we know it. Plus, I could see but I could not see with eyes, but I could see with consciousness because I could see beyond a galaxy. I was aware of that. And there's no way visually you can do that. So it was a conscious visualization perhaps. And then I stayed there momentarily and there was no time. So it could have been, I don't know how long it could have been. And then I shifted one more time yet, which I went about a meter away from where my physical body was, was a slight shift. And then everything became golden. And, and in this place, I realized that was home. And I was greeted by, and I'm going to call them other beings, even though that's not the case. But there was like slight individual identity of other beings. And they knew who I was, and I knew who they were. And we've all done this before. We're all one. This consciousness that I like to call it, we're all part of it. We have uh, the greater awareness of the consciousness is we are everything. But there is a slight individual awareness that we are, that we have. It's an individual, but it's very minor. It's like this of scent. And then I was there, and I know I'm going through this rapidly, but then I'm in this consciousness and the gold is golden. And I later heard this is what some of the Buddhists call the land of the golden light. And so I'm here and then a being comes to me and says, we'd like you to go back to your body. And I said, no, I'm not going back. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. And then, then we moved along. It appeared to be movement, but it was just expanded consciousness. There is no real movement. In fact, I believe I was in the exact same place that where my body died and didn't go anywhere. I was in the exact same place, but things were consciously expanding. So it gave the impression of movement. 
then I meet this other guy who uh, he, he appeared to me as a guy, but it was energy. And I sensed who he was in his prior life. And he told me he was a mystic back in the early part of the 1900s. And he identified his name and I later looked him up. His actual name was Gurdjieff. And so I did go look him up when I came back to my body, but he said, we, we need you to go back to your body. And I didn't want to go at all. And, but I agreed to go back because he asked in such a way that I could not refuse it. And I don't know how to explain that. But then I heard or became aware of another thought from the, one of the first beings that I interfaced with when I was there. And they said, we will take your memory away from you so that it's easier for you to go back. And I said, no, I don't want my memory taken from me. I, I will go back under the condition I retain my memory of this whole experience. And it was agreed. And so then at that point, I was done there and I was been brought back. I needed assistance to get back into the physical body because I had detached from it. Now I could have gone on at length about this detachment, but it's pretty well defined in my story that I wrote and you can read it there if you wish. And so then they put me back into this form and, and earlier when you go back, I was back, I saw the body lying there in bed and I'm going, my God, and I reanimated this. They put me back in. They had to assist me and reconnect me. And this body is so heavy. It's so dense. It's cold and it's wet. And it's, it was unpleasant, but I reanimated. And so my roommate freaked out when I reanimated because I was dead. And that was disgust. And then I came conscious back into this body, but I had a different perspective. And then a doctor comes in. An Indian doctor comes in and said, okay, I'll help you now. You need to take these medications and stuff. And all it was was something to rehydrate my body because I was badly dehydrated. But a lot of people die from dysentery. And this, you can just Google that. I've done that myself. So that was my death experience. And it was, it's, you can read it, but it was the most pleasurable experience I've ever had in my life. And am I afraid to die? I will die someday, but I'm not afraid of it now. Thank you for sharing that experience with us. You mentioned that at some point you knew why we come here. So in general, do you still remember why and what's the point of coming here? I understand that. And it's, um, we come here solely for the experience. And reincarnation is part of the human experience because we make choices. And the reason we come here is so that we can know who we truly are. So when you're, when, when you're in, say, we'll call the land of the golden light, there's this, it's a blissful state, it's, but it's so aware, it's not boring, it's ever engaging. And so we come here in this isolation because to experience isolation and in this isolation, we experience fear, desire, greed. We experience all these things, suffering. And you can read the old masters, like, for example, Buddha. He talks about the suffering as a, as a product of the mind or an experience of the mind. So we come here to gain experience. It's not that we learn anything. We don't learn anything. Because there's nothing you could possibly learn being in that state of the land of the golden light, or even the state right outside the first shift out of my body, everything is known. 
everything is known. We're not tested here to see if we're good or bad. We're not uh, under any type of, you have to do this and you can pass. No, there's none of that. It's none of that. Everyone passes, even the saint that we, people who are considered saints or people who are considered slight, a lot less than a saint, right? So we, it's, it's just for the experience. And okay, I, I did miss out some of the stuff that when I returned to the body, when I left the body, mm-hmm. and I, I need to go back to that. That's and okay. So, we can we can just carry on from here. Just... Okay. So I stepped out of when I stepped out of my body, I I transcended fear prior to leaving my body physical because I there was my mind turned off and there was no fear. And then when I was in 4D, I was engulfed in this fog and it was fear, but it wasn't scary. It was desirable. And but I could observe it. And then I remembered, oh, if you can observe a thing, how can it be part of you? So then that left. But when you have this fear, it's something you don't have in the fifth dimension is what I call it. I don't know really what it is, but you you have this fear and you can you can have these experiences you can't have anywhere else in this body. That's all it is. Everyone dies. Everyone does. Yeah. You can't take anything with you. After you first came back, were you depressed or angry that you were here and you didn't want to be here? You know, I've heard some people have that problem, but I don't look at life like that. I never have. Is this life difficult and challenging? And do I wish many times that I would not have come back? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. But I, I just move on because I know it's a finite time. So you take a look at like when you're a kid, you go, I can hardly wait till I get older. At 67, I look back at life and I go, that was fast. That was way fast, way too fast. How do you think you changed after your experience? I am not bound because of what I retained in memory. I am not bound by, like most people are bound in fear. People suffer in grief. They, and the reason they suffer in grief, they identify with it. And they identify with the mind. And when the mind sits there our minds are programmed and there's so much evidence of that the example is if you listen to a newscast any newscast they repeat things over and over again and you start to believe it be it true or not true it starts to formulate how you see a thing and none of that's true right and so if you sit there and you're free of that it affords you a certain freedom because it narrows when we are kind of like through media we're told what to believe So it narrows our viewpoint. But when that viewpoint's no longer narrowed, there's so much more, even in this this world, this this like in the United States where we live, there's so much to see. You go out and into like I could go to the top of Mount Sai and look out, and there's this expansiveness. It is beautiful beyond just beyond compare, right? There's so much more that's available when you don't when you're not restricted. The person that you saw, Gurdjieff, I think he's an Armenian mystic guy. You, he, I looked him up afterward. What else do you know about him? Okay, the funny thing is, is I didn't know who he was. And then I found out after I got back into my body, I went back to the, I was meditating at an ashram. I went back there and this German fellow said, you want to buy these three books for a hundred rupees? And they were by Gurdjieff, Tales of Beelzebub to his grandson. And so then I read his book and I found out a lot about him. He was a mystic. Um, and he was, uh, he had the fourth way and the fourth way is an interesting way. 
um, it's like, you, it's basically that just be still in the moment and the mind stops and be still in the moment. Then you can, you, you can explore life that way. But when your mind stills, which is the secret to even Buddhism to still the mind, then you're no longer bound by the mind. And then, you know, you can have be fully conscious in your physical body. Now he told you during your experience that he was Gurdjieff. Yes, he downloaded that information to me. Yeah. Wow, and you never even heard of him before that. I right? did not. I, but that was one thing. So that I, I don't know why that was that he um, he told me that. But then when I came back, then I uncovered who he was, hmm. and I, of course, anyone would. Mm-hmm. And then, but for me, life is always an investigation, right? Mm-hmm. You're always looking into things and everyone does this. Mm-hmm. And so I found out who he was and I studied who he was and um, he was different. Do I adhere to some of his beliefs? I take a few things from him. Yeah, I do, mm-hmm. but not much. You know, when we're here, we're looking through eyes, but when you're there, you don't have eyes. Can you tell us the difference between seeing things here versus seeing things there? Okay, so you, you see my physical form right now with my eyes, with right. your eyes, okay? When you see me with consciousness, that's, you see me with full awareness. You can still see me, but it's it's more. It's just so much more. Our visual, our retinas and our rods are limiting for what we can see. We see in a very narrow spectrum, mm-hmm. right? We only see in certain shades or degrees of light. We miss, there's so much more around us that we don't see. When you're in a conscious position, you you're not restricted to say a hundred feet. You're unrestricted for what you can see when you're seeing with your mind's eye, which is what you can call it. But it's really you're just connected with everything to the point where you are aware of everything. Right. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I would assume you would say what we are is just awareness. That's the truth. That's all we really are is consciousness or awareness, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Part of God, whatever you want to call it. Do you think our consciousness creates our bodies here in this realm or we're a separate thing that our awareness enters the body? That's actually an excellent question because there is nothing else but consciousness. When I was in that hotel room and died, everything disappeared. It was never here. So a part of our consciousness, is consciousness, which is what we are, this is huge consciousness. I think Carl Jung called it something like the collective unconsciousness. There's this huge consciousness, and we're just part of that. And that is that's that what creates this world. That's what creates this physical world. It's almost it's the only like, thing it could be. It's almost kind of like the movie The Matrix. It's just all of a sudden reality just got wiped out. Well, think about it. The matrix, someone probably tried to define an experience they had. And so they, they, they made it palatable by putting it in a movie form called The Matrix. It's, and that is, I under, when I saw that, I understood that that's what they were doing. And I, but of course, we're not batteries uh, recharging robots, mm-hmm. but we're, it's like that, right? And if you take a look at the internet, look at how the internet connects everybody. It connects the whole world. It's not a little world. It's not a big world anymore. It's a Mm -hmm. little world. Mm -hmm. We're connected to everything. So the matrix is someone's interpretation of it. Is it correct? No. Is my interpretation of what I saw or my uh, description of it correct? No. It's my description is too narrow. I can't explain it. It's ineffable. There's no way you can explain it. I think what you're also saying is when you're over there, 
all the monkey chatter in your mind is gone. And that's what the, the mind is. I guess it's just part of the body then. The trick is, and you can do this now because I reproduced my death experience in 2016. And this is really what I want everyone to understand. If you still the mind, and this goes, Buddha is, uh, it's, um, people talk, say Buddha did the still mind, but that's not true. That's not true. It was long before him. And it was way after him. Everyone does this, this still mind. If you still the mind, the mind will draw you always to the attention of the moment. When you still the mind, there is no time. There is nothing to distract you. You become very expansive. Everyone can do this. And you don't need to pay someone to teach you how to do this. You don't need to find a book. You can get this stuff free on the internet now. It's all free and it's easy to do. In fact, when I reproduced my death experience, I used the still the mind technique, Vipassana, and then I used Tumo breathing. And these, and that's how I was able to raise my vibratory level. And everyone can do this. It's not complicated. Hmm. You just have to have that. And, but I will give you a warning. I'll give everyone a warning. If you start this and you sip from that fountain and you taste the truth, you're not going to be able to stop. And it's not addictive. It's just like unbelievable, unbelievably unlimited is what it is. Is it pleasurable? Oh, yeah. It's very pleasurable. So when you're at the point of having your mind still, are you just like sitting there existing, not thinking, almost like just existing? There's no thoughts coming to you, no visions, no anything. Oh, that's good. That's that's perfect question. Okay. Right now, when we think our minds, we're having this chatter, the monkey mind, and that's an excellent way to describe it. But when you're still, your awareness is so much. There's so much activity. There's so much. It's full. It's like you got a big basket full. It's everything, and it's more. It's not. It's unending. It's not limiting. When you think in the mind, you are extremely limited. And, you're, and you have a narrow, narrow concept of life. When the mind stills, everything you understand is vast. And it's an introduction to who, a reintroduction, I guess, to who you truly are. Are there YouTube videos teaching you how to do this? Oh, there's tons of them. You have a couple of Western teachers. One is Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, and the other one is Rupert Spira. You have the Eastern, these are live teachers. There's many dead ones. You have the live Eastern teachers. There's one that's Muji and, the, and many Tibetan lamas. There's a lot to choose from. They put everything out there for free. When searching on YouTube, you just type in how to make your mind still meditation. Perfect. It's Google will take you everywhere. It takes you everywhere. And then the breathing technique is important too, because here's one of the tricks that you have to first overcome. You have to first overcome the fact that once you still your mind, you're going to want to go to sleep. So in order to get beyond that, you have to do your breathing technique to get your body energized. Once your body's energized and your mind still, then you have the ability to have this vast presence be the center of your life rather than these limiting thoughts. And, you know, sometimes people suffer depression and they're stressed. That's all the product of the mind. Mm. Your consciousness is not depressed or stressed. It's just your mind is. And if you turn that off, it's like you know, when you hear that jackhammer, we all heard the construction jackhammer, and you go, God, when is this going to stop? And then when it stops, peace. If we start doing that on a regular basis, what kind of changes in our life should we expect? 
Okay, first off, the first thing when you steal your mind, you're going to see if you've had trauma, and we've all had trauma. Some people have very severe degrees of trauma, some somewhat less. When you steal your mind, you're going to become aware that you have you are housing trauma in your physical body. And it's typically, I found trauma being stored on my vagus nerve. That's V-A-G-U-S. On my vagus nerve, which runs, it's one of the 12 cranial nerves. And this vagus nerve is on both sides of the body down to the gut. And then I found that once I released that tension from my vagus nerve, my body relaxed. My body so relaxed to the point where I became aware of things I overlooked my whole life. You know, even like something like you go into the forest and you just, the sound of the birds is overwhelming here in the springtime in Seattle. And you just, there's a pleasure in it. There's a rhythm to it. It's beautiful. But when my mind was engaged in um, activity, like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, you miss all that. So what you do is you have, you get a chance to have a greater experience in your physical body. And it's not difficult to do. You have to pay attention for sure, but it's not difficult at all. Some of my guests would agree that when they're on the other side, it's more real than being here. And here is like the dream. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's totally true. But the other side is not the other side. It's right here. You don't go anywhere. It's just right here. It's what it is, is you become conscious more fully conscious and the mind limits that and it's tricky too it's tricky because life is so engaging because there's things that are like especially in our society today oh everyone's frightened now because we're in global conflict or oh i don't have enough money i'm scared so those are the things that are distracting but when you're in this oneness state and they do call it oneness. You can look up oneness training or mindfulness, I think is what they call it. You can look up that. That's pretty, that works. I read about that. And yeah, it's, um, it's a better place to be. What do you think inspires you about your experience? I help people. I've, since my death experience, I've helped many people. And I see that I can look at somebody and see that they, um, they're, they're struggling with like, what happens when they die, you'd be surprised at how many people I've met that are dying or close to it or fearful death. And I just walk them right past it. And I tell them, just do this, do this. Because see, no one can do anything for you. I can't lift someone out and say, okay, you're healed. No, no one can do that. You have to choose to do it yourself. But in order to choose to do it yourself, you have to know it's available. You have to know it's possible. And that others have done it. And there's so many stories. Like people say reincarnation isn't true. There's so many stories out there now with the with the internet that this this and, the, and what the phrase is if you have enough um, see an, anecdotal data, it becomes epidemiological evidence. Okay, okay. There's enough of that, and there's enough about the death experience. There's enough about consciousness. You just have to look at it. And people call it different names. I call it consciousness. You can call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But you, to experience it is, I'll tell you, once you drink from that fountain, you'll go back over and over and over again. You've met people who are dying, but what about people who have already lost somebody and they're grieving and they're wondering if their loved one is okay on the other side? What do you tell them? <laughs> okay, your experience, that was an excellent question. And this, this, you're not, this answer is, is an odd answer, okay? When you're dying, you're going on a journey. 
you're not worried about anything. But when you're left behind, that's who the people, that those are the ones that feel the loss. The person dying does not feel the loss because they're, they're going home for the most part, unless they choose reincarnation, which they can by identifying with the fear that comes gripping. And really fear, you face fear three ways in life. You face it every day when you're in the body. Oh, should I do this? Should I do that? You face it in the dying process. And when the mind stops, there is no more fear. But then when you're in consciousness or say uh, fourth dimensional awareness, fear will come to you. And it's not scary. You want to do it again. And then when you do it again, then that's how reincarnation starts. That's my experience of it. But you don't have to. You don't have to do it. If you want to do it, it's okay. In a way, you refer to this as some people say this is a matrix. This is kind of a playground. They offered you to come back, but if you still refused, do you think you could have stayed? Oh, I know I could have. I was done. I was completely done because once you pass that fear barrier, that not the fear of frightening in the mind, but that fear barrier in the fourth dimension, once you pass that, you decide your own fate. But if you decide to look at fear, remember, you made that decision to identify with it. By identifying with the fear is what binds you. And you don't have to identify it. And now, why wouldn't I want to come back? This is very interesting, and I discovered this. Is I look at this life as a, as a ladder, okay? The body is the third rung on the ladder. When you shift out of your body, that's the fourth rung on the ladder. When you go to the land of the golden light, that's the fifth rung. When I was on the fifth rung, I saw something else. That's why I'm not coming back. What did you see? I don't know how to tell you, but I'm going to go there. Hmm. And I assume the ladder has many rungs. I've had some of my guests even go to different planets during their NDE. Do you have an an opinion on that? I totally think that that's... Okay. Here's the other way you can find out if you're your physical body. And it's called have an OBE, an OBE, out-of-body experience. Now, this is a simple thing to do. And I would recommend anyone try this. And it's very easy. You have to, so you know how when you watch TV, they repeat the same phrases over and over again. It kind of hypnotizes you or programs you. Well, that's how the mind works. You can program yourself by saying three times before you go to bed, I will remember my dream and blah, blah, blah. Where are you going to go? You can even direct yourself somewhere. You repeat that. Is it going to work the first night? It might. Is it probably going to work the first night? No, you have to do it repeatedly. But you'll wake up and have a notepad ready, or now with our days, of course, you have the phone and you just speak into the phone. And then eventually you'll realize that, oh my God, I'm more than my physical body. And then at one point before, and just keep keep this up, just do this for years if it takes it, it's worth the effort. And you can sit there and you, once you see your body lying in bed and you're on the outside, game over, you know, you know the truth. Mm. Have you done you that? You know what the deal is. We've all done it. We've done yes, it. I have done it. A lot of people, I did that when I was a child. But people have lucid dreams and they see that. But they get, see, the mind gets frightened. The mind is, the, your mind is not your friend. Make no mistake about that. When you, when you, um, when your mind stops, you fear your body clenches, right? Because the, what the mind does, the body reacts. So then when you have that nervous, especially with the vagus nerve, and it reacts like that, like you're being attacked. 
you recoil. So you have to get past that. You have to expect that. You have to realize that's going to happen. But it's totally something that you can do. And it is, you don't have to go to a school or anything. This You can do it yourself as this, a, this experiment. But I would caution you to not, not do drugs or anything like that. Right. Do I this with a natural experience. I think it's a great idea. Each night before we sleep, going to say something like, all right, tonight in my dreams, I'm going to get out of my body and float around the room. Totally. Three times. Repeat that several times till it gets put in your brain. Hopefully, if not that night, eventually one night it'll happen. Oh, it will happen. Hmm. It will happen. And it's always, and what people typically say, because I've talked to people like that, they said, it happened when I least expected it. That's Mm -hmm. because you never expect it. Right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, that's how it happens. But then, but then again, even if you, so say you get out of your body and you're floating there, you see your body and you completely freak out and you recoil. It's okay. But now, you know, now, you know, that door is open. It's okay. You just succeeded in your experiment. Now keep it going. It's interesting to think about if, you know, we come here to experience isolation from what you said. But then it's also people like you are giving us not only hints, but ideas about how to experience life here better. Do you say that's true? It's true. And here's the reason, Jeff. This is the reason. When you sip from that fountain, it is the most exceptional thing ever. It like you will not ever be the same. You will completely change. Your whole reality just got wiped out. And you go, wait a minute like this, because everything the mind was taught, now this is what you cause call have an expanded mind, because your mind can be your friend. It's just not your friend now. But once your mind expands, now you have the cooperation with the mind, the body. How do you know you have the cooperation? Your body's totally relaxed. That's how you know. I found it interesting when they offered to erase your mind and you refused. That makes me think how many people have had an NDE and got mind erased. Very good, Jeff. Very good. That's exactly the case. That's, I exp- and people said, well, I had a death experience, but I don't remember anything. That's because they chose to have it erased. So you think maybe everybody who dies and comes back to life probably, or they do have an experience, but if they yeah. don't remember it, they get erased? Totally. That's exactly what happens. I, I, that's, I don't even question that, but you're the first person that's ever brought that to my attention. So that's mm. clever. Pat on my back. <laughs> yeah, seriously, because think about it is uh, everyone has this experience, but it's, you know, think about it. So I sit there and I say, now it's more acceptable now because of the internet. When I, when I first had this death experience, I told people and they said, yeah, you're a little bit on the crazy side. All right, I'll go, I'll just go in the business world and do what I do. And the internet caught up with me. And then all of a sudden, you know, I worked pretty, I worked a lot. And then when I retired, I started looking at what was going on here at the internet. And then I published my story in 2015. And it's more acceptable because there's so much, it's it's happened all over the world to everyone in every different culture, everywhere. If everybody knew what we're talking about, then it may lessen the experience and the point of being here. So is it possible? Exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. When you're here with a still mind and full awareness, this is, it's like watching one of those old TVs with the rabbit ear, and now you have high definition. It's that different. The experience you have in this physical life is much better. And actually, you're much more compassionate and tolerant of other people. 
and you it's amazing but it's like everything your consciousness in the physical body operates from here your heart center that's the center of your consciousness and that's it's because life becomes more beautiful sorry for the interruption but you no you, you hit it so then maybe that's why my podcast and other people podcasts are becoming more successful as you know from the other side they're trying to get this message out okay what i think is happening you're just one instrument in helping people wake up from the dream and it is a dream when you're locked in your mind it's a it's a dream and sometimes jeff it's a nightmare okay but it, it, it we're in this dream and, and what you're doing is helping people wake up and what i'm doing is helping people wake up and but there's this this more than us too there's this probably hundreds of thousands of people doing this now and are aware of this mm-hmm. maybe probably millions because my story alone when i first published it in 2015 it's been read it was read over half a million times and i stopped looking at it i just left it so everyone's interested about it mm-hmm. because the truth everybody knows do you think that then the earth realm is just an imperfect system in general, and that's why we need this help. I mean, it just is what it is. No, it's not an imperfect system. It's an experience. It's an experience to have this isolation and to experience all these things like jealousy, greed, uh, anger, compassion, affectionate in the, in the physical form. It's all these things together. Life is really messy. It's very messy. And you see all this stuff transpiring all over the world and it's and you go my god insanity is alive and well but that's because that's what's shown they show the crazy stuff on the other side of that there's a great deal of beauty that happens in this world there's like individual compassion that is exceptional there's actually you know there's there's so much here that's beautiful but we don't look at that because our minds are focused and we're also now this is you can look at this you can look look up mesmer it's we're hypnotized by media. That's why I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV since 1995. I just get the news from the financial pages. That's it. Kind of funny. Like that's the best place to get the news when you start talking about money. I know. I know. We have to survive, right? Yeah. After your experience, did you notice that you got any abilities that you didn't have beforehand? Yes. Like yes. what? I'm hesitant to tell you all of them, but I will tell you this one is when someone dies that I helped die. And in my story, I, I tell this. So if you read the original story, my friend was, uh, he was a pathologist and he had, uh, he had a heart, he had a heart condition. And so he invites us over to uh, his house for a dinner party. And I knew something was up and he, he, and so we talked and he says, Doug, can you please tell me about your death story? Cause I told him about this story. And so I said, I'll tell you how to die. And so I told him everything. And I told him what you're going to face, because you're going to face fear. Just get used to it. You're going to face it, deal with it, right? But you don't have to identify with it. And so I talked to Glenn for, for quite a while. And the weird thing is there was a lot of people in that house, but they all left us alone. And we were in the kitchen nook, right? And so they left us alone. And I explained this to Glenn in detail. So two weeks later, his wife calls and says, Glenn died. And, and he died and he had a smile on his face. And that's what he died smiling, right? It's a beautiful thing. I just love this story. 
And not only that, but then two weeks later, Samantha and I are in bed and we're sleeping and it was about three o'clock. Things always happen around three o'clock. Don't know why that is, but there must be something to it. And all of a sudden I hear Glenn calling my name. So it's Doug, Doug. So I sit up and I see Glenn standing in my doorway hmm. and he had Glenn's smile on his face. And that's pareidolia because my mind could see his face, right? But he wanted me to see that, that it was him, but he was a golden being and his golden energy. And he had a human type form, meaning he had a head, shoulders, and then he draped down. So yeah, I have that ability. I have what I call expanded vision. I had, that's one of the things I had. I got a lot of things when I came back because the door wasn't closed. But if you look at a child, and sometimes you'll see a child looking at things that aren't there. See, in order to survive, the door is closed as we get older. They say, oh, no, you can't have imaginative friends. You can't have it. That's not. So that door closes. That door closes. But when I came back, I have several doors that are open. And they're still open. I won't let those close. You keep mentioning the paper that you published. Where can people read that? I have it in two places. The place that's easiest to find is neardeathexperience.org. It was done in 2017 um, under exceptional experiences. I could send you the link if you wish it. I can put it in the description if people want to go read it for themselves. Yeah, yeah, and, and they and they should read it because it's not... A lot of people sit there and say, well, why do you tell this story? I tell the story to educate so that you know what may be of all the possibilities, because we don't need to limit our lives like this. And you'd be amazed at how many, like I told you, I had a half a million reads on the story. Mm. Very few negative comments, but there's a great interest in it because everybody, there's something in everybody that they know this story is so. Right Now, the trick is, how can you unfold it in this life? It's an easy thing to do. And you just meditate. In meditation, just still the mind. That's all that means is still the mind. So you don't even have to call it meditation. And then you have to keep your body energized with oxygen so you don't fall asleep. Because as soon as you still your mind, boom, you're going to go to sleep. Are you still doing that breathing technique while your mind is still? Or eventually you'll have enough energy where you'll go back to normal breathing? Jeff, I always drink from the fountain. And yes, I do that breathing exercise all the time. And because it makes me more alert and more aware. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you. Are you open to that? And if so, how can they reach you? I don't know how to do that, Jeff, because when I wrote my first story, which was published under um, a a meditative um, book, it was actually called uh, Osho News. And I put it under there and... I got emails from all over the world. I mean, it gets, God, that's a little bit complicated. You know, I'm never going to write a book. I'm going to, in my view on life is one of these days, I'm, you know, Samantha and I are going to pack up and move in the wilderness and that's where we're going to stay, right? <laughs> that, right. that little thing, because I like that peace of mind. But I would love to tell everyone everything, but that's why I'm doing the podcast. Right. Or whatever you call this, a podcast or streaming or whatever. Right. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? So in in conclusion, this is exploring. This is like one of the greatest journeys you will ever go on in this life, exploring who you truly are and exploring beyond the body. And there's very easy ways to do it. They're all available on the internet. Will you have to face fear? You bet. Will you have a more relaxed body? Yes. Will you have a stilled mind? Yes. Will it be worthwhile? My God, I 
it was for me. It's a wonderful thing. Doug, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. You have a good day. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.